this time on episode 360 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We discuss WandaVision, season one, episode one, and season one, episode two, weekly Marvel news, and your feedback. I'm Josh Liston from On The Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom, part of the Gunner Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your Schedule D briefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm producer of this show, SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Sunday, January 17th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast... Westview Live via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Hey, ladies, happy National Bootleggers Day. That's a holiday I can get behind. I actually have bootleggers in the family. Cool. There's a branch of my family tree in Kentucky, and my grandmother, this wasn't really bootlegging, but my grandmother made beer and stuff at home. So making alcohol is actually in my family tree. (laughs) That sounds awesome. It's also highly regulated once you get to the high octane stuff. So that's, you know, the bootlegging beer still regulated, but you can get homebrew kits nowadays. I have yet to do it, but you can do that at home. I have been wanting to once we have enough space, which fingers crossed should be soon. In the meantime, though, I have actually tried to make my own basically hooch before i found a recipe for they said it was sake but it's not because you need a certain kind of yeast so i made a rice wine a few years ago it could basically it was so alcoholic by the time i was done with it it could basically peel paint so it was like okay just putting a little of this in you know soda or something a little of soda in it or a lot of soda in a little of your hooch it had to be a lot of soda in a little of hooch. It was potent. For those of you who might not know, during the 1920s, the United States forbid the sale and making and all that of alcohol. So bootlegging was the illegal making of alcohol to get around all of these laws. And that's where we get like mobsters like Al Capone and all that type of stuff. So just in case you do not know what bootlegging is. Fun fact. Modern soda actually owes a great debt to, I'm blanking on what it's called. My mind just says temperance. Prohibition. Prohibition. Thank you. I am forgetting words today. But because you could no longer just buy alcohol, there was like medicinal drinks, which is why, you know, you get Coca-Cola with cocaine. And I think Moxie was originally one of the ones that they had as kind of a substitute There was all sorts of loopholes that people would do, like getting medicinal whiskey, because a doctor could still prescribe tinctures and patent medicines and things like that. There's some really fascinating bits of history out there around prohibition and the things that stemmed up from it. 
I highly recommend looking into it. It is cool. And because it's like the illegal obtaining of something, that's why the modern version of bootlegging is, you know, getting DVDs or downloading stuff and bootlegging. So that's the connection. So that's where the term comes from. In case those of you who are thinking bootlegging, we're told not to do that. And it's a national holiday. What? And before you think we're too off the rails talking about bootlegging, we just got done a few months ago talking about bootlegging in the MCU. I'll put that in air quotes because we talked about Swordfish and the speakeasy that mm-hmm. was at the end of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's true. Another thing that owes its existence to bootlegging, NASCAR. I thought that was rather obvious and didn't say anything, but for those... I, of- I didn't actually know until a couple of years ago, but then my family wasn't like big NASCAR watchers. Mm. Yeah, there was a whole deal on that on the NBC show Timeless, where they went back and got one of the early bootleggers slash a NASCAR runners that was an African-American, but it had nothing to do with actual bootleg. I don't think they had bootlegging. Anyway. Bootlegging is a big thing. This is the National Bootleggers Day. And uh, before you think it's like authorized by any like government entity, it is not. It was just thrown in there by Templeton Rye Whiskey. And that so they created it in 2015. So it's been this day ever since. I propose we actually change it to Johnny Mnemonic Day because it actually is Johnny Mnemonic Day. Really? Yes. Wow. I did not see that on the National Day calendar, so that is why it's not on here. So for those of you that don't know Johnny Mnemonic, do you care to elaborate? It's a film starring Keanu Reeves, and it's like, oh, back in the 90s, he has a chip planted in his head and all this type of stuff. It's just really interesting what they thought the future would be. They got the corporation government kind of right, which is kind of scary. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's great that it's actually Johnny Mnemonic Day. Yeah, the whole thing is they're like bootlegging information and stuff. Wasn't the chip in his head some ungodly number like five millibyte or megabytes or something like that? It was like you look at it now and you're like, oh, no. Everything was like that back in the 90s compared to today where we're talking about terabytes and, and petabytes that you can have at home reasonably priced. All right, now that we're all done with that, let's get on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because of being, you know, European. If you'd like to talk to us about being European, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voice message at our voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. We're on Facebook, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. We are on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash gunnageek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. After 500 and some odd days, we are back into the MCU. This is assuming that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not part of the MCU and maybe some other pocket universe. Tonight, we're actually talking about the MCU for the first time in 500, and I believe 56 days. Ladies, you ready to talk some WandaVision? Very. Here we go. 
WandaVision, episode one and episode two, was dropped on Disney Plus at midnight Pacific Standard Time, January 15th, 2021. Michelle, would you care to run down the creative team behind episode one? Sure. This episode was directed by Matt Shockman, who has 51 directing credits starting in 2002, including one judging Amy, one six feet under, two everybody hates Chris, three ugly Betty, five house, five psych, four episodes of Revenge, six of The Good Wife, two Game of Thrones, and nine WandaVision. And it was written by Jack Schaefer, who has six writing credits starting in 2009, including Timer, Mr. Stash, Olaf's Frozen Adventure, The Hustler, and one episode of WandaVision. Episode two had a creative team. Lauren, why don't you run down that for us? First off, it was directed again by Matt Shackman, who Michelle just listed all those credits. So we're just going to breeze right past that. And it was written by Gretchen Enders, who has seven writing credits starting in 2012, including three of Level Up, eight of Gordimer Gibbons' Life on Normal Street, two of Take My Wife, one of Grace and Frankie, two of Queen America, and one of WandaVision. Now, I know that episode one, I don't know if episode two was, but I know episode one was filmed in front of a live studio audience before this pandemic struck. I think episode two was as well, right in line with the sitcom trope, because that's what sitcoms did back in the 50s and 60s. They filmed in front of a live studio audience. Actually, a lot of them did for a very long time. Some still do. And the laugh tracks I've heard are actually from the audience as they were filming. So fun fact about laugh tracks. The laugh tracks that you hear on modern television are actually from the 1950s. They are mostly from I Love Lucy because that was the one with the most reliable laughter. You're hearing a little bit of an audio ghost there. Yeah, Desi Lou's Productions. So I think the television series trope, going back to the 50s, 60s, and I guess a little bit of the 70s in these two episodes and episode two, I think it's a great backdrop if you're going to create a pocket universe or a, a prison universe or whatever we are in, to call it, in, in WandaVision here, because you're on Disney Plus, and I think for the people that aren't really in the mindset that this is an alternate universe, because not everybody is, I mean, you and I, you two and I are very familiar with this idea of, of a, a prison universe or a pocket universe. The average person is not that familiar with it. So I do like the connection that Disney made here with the TV shows to use it as a crutch to show this sort of backdrop in this pocket universe. Also, it might be because Wanda, as she was growing up, watched American television in the reruns, and this is what she perceives to be normal american life and she has created this pocket universe as such or at least is modifying it to be as such so it i think is a great crutch for the show and we'll see progression we've seen progression so far with episode one and two i can only imagine that we'll see progression with the tv tropes as we go into episode three and four and we'll get into the 70s and 80s and 90s i don't know when it's going to stop but i think we're going to see this progression it's interesting because if you get the references, you get that extra layer. The show was basically um, the Dick Van Dyke show meets Bewitched. And 
if you saw those reruns, like I saw some of these reruns when I was a kid, however, not a lot of kids nowadays have actually seen black and white television. And it's really interesting how black and white now is associated with something serious or documentaries or, or something like that when back in the day, like back, television was a black and white first. And so like everything was in black and white. Like it's great for some of us if you are younger and you did not, if you're not exposed to it, it might not be that quote unquote cool of a crutch to be on. It's going to be a WTF what, you know, moment. I think for some, it's really interesting. For others, it might not be. Yeah, I'm what I guess is considered a somewhat older millennial. And when I was a kid, Nick at Night would show all of these old reruns like Dick Van Dyke show, I Love Lucy, Yeah, Bewitched. And I grew up on that. So it was really awkward in middle school when all my pop culture references were from like the 1940s and 1950s, thanks to that and Looney Tunes. But it's serving me well here because there's a bunch of visual references that just make me laugh. Dick Van Dyke was actually brought in as a consultant. His show was a, the main template for the first episode. So he was brought in. He's still alive. He was brought in and as a resource to use for the first episode. Like I said, they filmed it in front of a live studio audience. And I think they did his trope well. I think one of his main issuances to the production team was if it can happen in real life, it can happen in this TV show. Now, of course, you have the bewitched version of Wanda being able to do magical things, you know, flying around stuff in the kitchen and being able to create them so that they could go through things like vision can walk through walls anyway, but then she can make objects so that they could both go through them and stuff like that. Cause she can manipulate all the infinity stones or at least their powers. I don't think we got that in fifties TV, but we definitely got that in sixties TV. Also it was four by three. I'm glad they didn't go back to the, whatever it was, three. 60 or 420 they did it in 4k but it was in four by three instead of the 16 by nine presentation that we see these days but when they went to the control room which we'll have to unpack that later that was in color and that was 16 by nine but it was four by three for both the episode one and episode two and you saw different tropes like the beds were apart she pulled <laughs> them together which happened in i love lucy when they pulled the beds together after Lucy got like the actual actress got pregnant because it was so okay at the time it was so scandalous you could not show a married couple sleeping in the same bed what people would think of sex so they would have married couples in separate beds I remember my mom pointing out to me like look you can see you know she's pregnant so now they have the beds pushed together it was a whole thing and just real quick one of the things that I liked you're talking about the aspect ratio and everything the camera actually behaves the way that a 1950s single camera sitcom would behave which is one of the things they brought dick van dyke in for like hey here's some of the technical stuff that we did it kind of took me right back to childhood i remember coming back from school and, and watching a lot of these reruns and stuff i wasn't alive in the 50s so i can't as old as you might think I am, I was not alive in the fifties. So I can't go back and say, Hey, I watched all this stuff real time, but I did see them in reruns when I came home from school, leave it to beaver, 
this uh, Andy Griffiths show, Little House on the Prairie, that was later on. Lassie. I lived for Lassie. All that sort of stuff. I remember seeing it. And then you remember, or I remember, the way that things progress. The neighborhood sets are very bare in episode one. And Wanda starts filling them, I can only assume, Wanda is filling them in as it progresses into episode two, where you have the pool scene, you had more neighborhood detail, you had trees, you had people walking down the sidewalks and that sort of thing, rather than just a bare bones, fictitious TV set. It was more like a a big neighborhood set. There's going to be more of this as we go along. I'm going to relive my childhood and, and the TV that I watched growing up through this. I think it's great. And I think, as you guys were saying, this will be great for the kids because they'll be like, hey, I didn't know it was like that. This is what it's like that. And they'll listen to people like us and they'll go, oh, Dick Van Dyke show. This was Dick Van Dyke. Yes. That same Dick Van Dyke that was in the original Mary Poppins movie. He had a very successful sitcom called The Dick Van Dyke Show. And if you are curious about 1950s television, particularly, you know, some of the bigger references for this, I Love Lucy is streaming on Hulu and CBS All Access. I very highly recommend checking it out. Lucille Ball gave a lot of influence to modern comedy and is partially responsible for Star Trek being on TV. I was going to ask who Desi Lou Productions belongs to right now. Is it a CBS thing? Yeah, it's CBS. And I want to say it's like still in the, I guess, under the, the ownership of Lucy and Desi's daughter okay now let's get a little bit more into the meat and bones of this vision the last time we saw him he was dead he was killed in the whole end game infinity war thing the stone was taken out of his head he's dead and that, that was one of the casualties that we were all lamenting but we were all saying hey you need to have to show some loss here. And, and vision was one of the loss. We were all just lamenting the fact that vision died in the process of that. Now he's alive. My question to you, and I have my own thoughts on this, but my question to you, and I'll go with Michelle first is why is vision alive? At the end of Endgame, Wanda almost takes out Thanos by herself because she is that powerful. And she, flashes and she is like you took everything for me i don't know if wanda is captured or being studied or whatever but i think she's doing this herself she is in a lot of grief supposedly this is supposed to be the beginning of phase four either she's doing this to herself I don't know if we want to open the multiverse can yet until farther down, because I know there's a whole Dr. Strange thing going on, but I wonder if she's doing this to herself and if you know anything about grief and if you know anything about her powers, for those of you, they really haven't gone into it in the MCU, but Wanda actually created children from (laughs) when she was with Vision. She actually created children and she actually had to be, she had to be told they weren't real. (laughs) She's pregnant at the end. And my brain was just like, oh my goodness, this is from the comics. And that's what keyed me in onto thinking that 
she's doing this to herself. Maybe it's a defense mechanism. Maybe she's, uh, you know, captured and being done something to her. And this is like her safe space or something. I, I really think she's doing it to herself. You bring up a good point. We don't know exactly when this is supposed to take place. All we have to go on really is the 2019 San Diego Comic-Con panel and then everything that Kevin Feige has done going around the rounds prior to this coming out. That is our background to this. Now, at the time, I believe in 2019, they stated that this was going to take place in 2023, which if you take a look at where Wanda and Vision would be in terms of the MCU in 2023, that... Vision is dead. It's before Endgame. It's in between Infinity War and Endgame because it's in that five-year time period. I don't know exactly when this is taking place, but I'm thinking in terms of it's phase four. And let's talk about the timeline of when this was supposed to come out because this was not supposed to be the first thing that came out after Endgame. That was going to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was going to be Black Widow. So those were going to come out. This was going to come out right before Doctor Strange. It was going to lead into Doctor Strange. So we can only assume there's going to be some sort of lead in at the end of this into Doctor Strange. That is an assumption based on the original timeline. And we'll see what happens there. They did, in fact, confirm like, yeah, this is going to have that Doctor Strange connection. Wanda in the comics has created basically little pocket universes. The most known one being the House of M timeline. When she showed up with the kids or with a pregnant belly, the first thing I thought of was, oh my God, Tommy and Billy are going to be canon now in the MCU. Very excited for Young Avengers. The second thing I thought of was an animation from years ago. It used to be on Newgrounds, but Flash is dead now. But if you go to YouTube and you look up Wogoat, W-O-G-O-A-T, this guy did a bunch of Marvel animations. They, they were like simple little cartoon characters with kind of floating hands. And in fact, it was like a floating hands production. But he did, I think, a two-parter about House of M. And it, there's the whole thing of Wanda just kind of creating babies out of nowhere. Or, or she has babies. Professor X is like, okay, now put them back. And uh, she just keeps like popping babies out of like the out of midair. It's hilarious and uh yeah is basically a pretty good summary of house of m so i don't know if she's created this little pocket universe or you know we heard that voice that i think somebody identified as randall park's character jimmy woo from previous mcu stuff most notably ant-man and the wasp saying wanda who's doing this to you i do have a theory on that but we can talk about that a little later after we talk about the supporting characters I just wanted to bring up that I think she has created vision either because it's a coping mechanism because somebody has put her in this pocket universe or she's created the entire thing to bring vision back. One of the two, I think she has created vision back because I think she has that power because she has the powers of the infinity stones. It's part of her magic. It's part of what she can do. Uh, She's not like anybody else. This is what she is. And I think she's coming to terms with it. And I think she's coming to terms, trying to come to terms with Vision's loss and created him back in in part of that. The other thing is you guys are talking about the creation of the children. One of the mantras, especially in episode two, was for the children, yet there are no children whatsoever in either episode one or episode two in this town. And I think this whole scenario was set up to encourage Wanda 
to have kids or somebody, somebody's pressuring her to have kids and she then creates kids. Just like you said that she did in the comics, she could do that on her own, which is what happens here. Most notably in the comics, there are two kids that she has that uh, become part of the MCU and the twins. And I think in the trailer, we saw that foreshadowed. So I think that's the direction that we're going to go to in the next couple of weeks here. Uh, before we do that, do you want to mention where you think Vision came from, Lauren? Okay. Catherine Hahn's character, Agnes, you know, the the neighbor who always has a martini glass in her hand and is helping her out. And by the way, I love Catherine Hahn so much. I'm very glad she's in the MCU now. But her character's name is Agnes. And you think about it, this could be a reference to Agnes Moorhead, who played Samantha's mother on Bewitched. Or... It could be a comics reference. There is a character who was a mentor to Wanda in the comics whose name was Agatha Harkness. Now, since we know that another character who is using a name that is not their own in this little pocket universe, for lack of a better term, could Agatha also be the one who's here, who's influencing her? She's the neighbor so she can keep an eye on her. I'm going to be watching that pretty closely. She also references her absent on screen husband, Ralph, and there's been conjecture out there that Ralph is actually Mephisto, 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 and that is basically the devil in, in the MCU. The, the, the Marvel universe has so many devils, like there is one called Lucifer, who in the initial comic storyline is responsible for Professor X's paralysis. There's Mephisto. There is actual Satan. Marvel's just throw a rock and you'll hit a devil. So there's speculation, although no confirmation at this point, that Mephisto is actually this codename Ralph for Agnes's husband. And you're absolutely right. There is speculation and there's no confirmation that Agnes might be the one that is either controlling this pocket universe or manipulating or observating in this whole thing and trying to manipulate Wanda in certain directions. We've seen that a couple of times where she's trying to manipulate Wanda into having kids. She's trying to direct her attention away from the helicopter that crashed and became a toy, uh, the sword helicopter, because it had the sword symbol on it. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. And uh, also the beekeeper at the end of episode two came up from the ground. It did have a sword icon on the back of the beekeeper suit, but the beekeeper might be coming up from the ground, like coming up from the devil, the hell coming up from the ground there. So it could be anything at this point. The first thing I thought of when I saw that beekeeper was AIM. In the comics, everybody from AIM wears these, technically, I think they're supposed to be hazmat suits, but everyone calls them beekeepers. There's also a villain in the Marvel comics called Hive, who is a Nazi made of bees. I don't think it's going to be Hive, but I mean, literally, I don't know what's going to happen. So who knows? So just to get everybody on the same page, AIM is Advanced Idea Mechanics. It's a non-governmental separate organization that's a lot like Tony Stark in, in being able to develop uh, high advanced stuff and, and to go out and help people kind of like what the Avengers were supposed to do. And then S.W.O.R.D., I've heard it name two different things and i'm going to cover both of them it's sentient world observation response department or sentient weapon observation response department 
Either way, it might impact what S.W.O.R.D. actually does in the MCU as we go forward because S.H.I.E.L.D. is no longer a thing. So that is AIM and S.W.O.R.D. in a nutshell. I'm sure we'll unpack that in the future as we go along. I just want to point out real quick places where we saw the S.W.O.R.D. logo, not only on that helicopter, which I was fascinated it was in the Tony Stark armor colors, but we also saw it in that control room and on the back of the beekeeper suit. I'm wondering if it could be rescue attempts because the beekeeper comes up and Wanda actually looks at the beekeeper and says no, and everything rewinds. See, before she says to Vision, is this really happening? And he says yes, and then they hear the sound, they go outside, the beekeeper comes up, Wanda looks at it, says no, Everything rewinds and she asked the question again, is this real? Vision says yes. And then there's the kiss. I wonder if being rescued means this universe dies. And here she is with Vision. And even if she's captured and everything, rescuing means this pocket world goes away. And maybe she's in a part where maybe she doesn't want that yet. I can definitely see that, especially at the pool scene where they hear the radio call coming out from the radio or help me Rhonda, help me Wanda Mm -hmm. coming out from the radio, which was a great, the stuff that they're able to do in here, the references to old TV shows and, and songs and stuff is, is just fantastic. But I think that she lost sight of who she was at that singular moment. And then she made the decision again, which is why Dottie kind of went off and did what she did. But then she went off and she decided she wanted to stay there. I think she's trying to make it this work. I think this is where she wants to be, whether she's being forced to be here or whether she created this, she now wants to maintain here. So it's going to be a fight to make her realize who she is, where she is, and to try to get her out. And I think you're right. I think there are rescue attempts. I think the big knocks that you're hearing is actual sword trying to get into this pocket universe, whether they're using the sorcery of Dr. Strange or their own little uh, physics, because we know Darcy's in, in this season, you know, she's been cast cat Denning. So it'll be interesting to see if she brings that forward into here. I can't wait for that. Whenever that episode's going to be, I can't wait for Darcy to come back. Yeah. As somebody who wrote some middling popular Darcy fanfics right after the first Avengers movie. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited. All right. So Michelle, where do you want to go from here? First off, my mom thinks it's interesting. You know, I get to bring back uh, Michelle's mom thing. Yay! She likes it. She's intrigued. She's interested about where it goes. She was like, I don't get a lot of it. Can we talk about it? And so we were able to talk about it and it helped, which I can understand if you've watched these first two and you're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't feel connected to it yet. I understand because this just sort of poses this question of what's happening to Wanda. That's really the first two episodes loaded with here's all these references. Maybe you should do homework. and. If you're feeling a little like, I don't know if I like this yet, I understand if you're there. 
as I was trying to explain before we started recording, there are at least three different levels that we're talking about here. There is the surface level. You don't know anything about Marvel, the MCU or whatever, and you're just watching it. And then you'd be like, hey, this is a trip down memory lane. There's something, some mystery going on here. And, oh, she's like a witch, like bewitched or whatever. So you get that within the first two episodes and you're fine. But then there's all the reference. And we haven't even touched the surface of all the references. I mean, like the House of N wine, the vision of the Strucker compound on the wall as it changes in episode two. There is just a ton of references and symbols and everything. And there is that level. And then there's the deeper. What is this story? What does it mean for the MCU? Where is this going? And I could see somebody just not knowing and, and clicking it on Disney Plus because it's like one of the only new shows on and they're watching it. I could see not understanding that. So I think this truly is a water cooler sort of TV show, even though you're not supposed to gather around the water cooler because that issue and i'm glad that you had the chance to talk to your mom about it and i think that her enjoyment is going to increase for the next four episodes because of it can we talk a little bit about how there's some i guess kind of moving from that first level you were talking about to that second level there's some kind of unexpectedly dark things there that i didn't quite get the first time i watched it like wanda uses her powers by snapping you know the infinity gauntlet snap and there's that comet a dish floats across and hits vision's head and she's like my husband and his indestructible head which we know wasn't that indestructible oh and he says and my wife with her flying saucers which is a ufo reference and sword is in space it also could be that thanos is invading with his hordes from outer space in their flying saucers as well with the end game infinity war it could mean everything i don't know but it was great there's all the dialogue has so much meaning like the devil is in the details have you seen the theory about what the commercials mean one of the theories that i've heard is that the commercials mean something that's traumatic in her storyline basically all the traumatic things that have happened to her so far and the first one is the toaster with the red light, mm -hmm. which reminds me of Ultron. And then the second one was the Hydra watch. And if you remember, she was a willing participant, actually, to the Hydra experiments because her home was destroyed by Stark industry weapons. Yeah, that blinking, it kind of reminded me of, we know that uh, her parents were killed when a Stark Industries bomb went through their apartment it kind of made me think of you know when you watch movies and there's a bomb and it doesn't go off right away and there's like a blinking light and then of course yeah we get the the strucker hydra watch and both of the commercials have this like weirdly menacing tone to them like the uh the toaster one you wouldn't think a toaster would be menacing but they're just kind of staring at it in silence and it's just enough to be uncomfortable and then, of course, we know, OK, we hear Strucker. We're like, oh, no. And again, there's this weird tension to it. So I'm curious as to what commercial we'll see in the next episode. In both cases, they ramp up, meaning uh, the tempo of the watch ticking gets faster and faster. And of course, the light blinking and, and the toaster getting to its final toastness goes on as faster and faster as it goes on. 
Another thing that I just noticed, and this might be a reference, this might be important, is that the number on the for sale sign on the house had a 732 area code, which is a New Jersey area code, which Camp Lehigh, which going back to Captain America, is located in New Jersey. So I don't know if the proximity there means anything or not. So two things about the numbers in the first episode. Their address, when they show, you know, the thing of vision in a suit and carrying Wanda in a wedding dress over the threshold, their address is 2800. We all know, you know, there's the the Marvel multiverse with the numbered things and the Marvel Comics Prime Universe is 616. The MCU number is 2800. And then there is, it could be a stretch, I'm linked, it's a BuzzFeed article thing of some of the compiled references they found the last numbers on that for sale sign are zero one two five so in avengers issue 125 the avengers come together to fight thanos and wanda and vision are on the cover i think it's probably one of those oh aren't we clever this makes me laugh people who know about this will get a laugh things i don't think there's anything more to it than that but it still pleases me yeah i had other i had that as well because i did a little research i didn't do the I, I sort of wanted to dig on my own august 23rd my thing was there's 23 mcu films i got something more i added something more then hold on and then uh 57 on the helicopter avengers 57 is vision's first appearance the time on the watch is 2.42. Avengers 2.42 is Vision comes back and insists he and Wanda, we join the team. So those are my things that I found myself. Again, I went digging myself because I'm like, I think that's a reference. Let me look it up. Sort of deal. I liked your 23 is the 23 MCU movies. And I added on to it and I said the eighth month of the year is August. Well, 2008 was the first year of the MCU. So 8, 23, 2008, 23 movies. That's where I went with it. So who knows what August 23 means, but I thought that was a good combination. I spent there. a ridiculous amount of time trying to figure out if any of the Marvel movies had been released on August 23rd, and they haven't, so I just kind of gave up. <laughs> I was kind of hoping it would be like, oh, it's, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. If it indeed is 2008 and 23 MCU movies, that's that's a hard stretch for most of everybody. And like the Russo brothers and Kevin Feige were saying, there's so many things that were throughout the MCU that were still hidden, that people hadn't found them yet, that, uh, okay, well, if you make them so obscure that I'm not sure it's a good reference at that point or not, but I thought that was pretty good. Well, the original point of Easter eggs in like video games and stuff was you had to really search for them. So I'm not too pressed about there being some really, really obscure, hard to find stuff in there. Again, as a writer and somebody who, again, writes fan fiction, I love throwing those little details in. The other thing I just want to talk about is uh, gum drunk vision, right? So he obviously can't eat anything. He has gum and it gums up the works to the point where he is drunk. And honestly, it distracts him 
from trying to figure out what's going on because he's trying to figure out what's going on. What do we do here? What do we make here? I don't understand what I'm doing in this office. And he goes to the neighborhood watch meeting. It's like, turns out to be a gossip club. And he's like, no, I, I want to actually protect the neighborhood. You know, I'm an Avenger. This is what I do. This is my mindset. And he gets distracted by some gum. Now, whether the gum was given to him by the group as per Agatha Harkness or whether Wanda put it there for him to distract him. I don't know, but I think it distracted him, but it was kind of fun seeing a drunk vision. It was big red gum. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Again, the color red keeps popping up because that's the color associated with Wanda in the comics and movies. It did remind me a little bit of that episode of I Love Lucy where she's it's called Lucy does a commercial. So remember early in the episode when I said that in Prohibition, pharmacists could prescribe like medicinal whiskey. So a lot of medicine up until fairly recently actually used to have alcohol as a um, ingredient and a primary ingredient at that. So you have Lucy who's having to do all these retakes drinking this thing and she just gets just drunk, like slurs her words, gets things mixed up. It's really funny. This reminded me of that. And like you were saying earlier, there's that whole, there's a shallowness to sitcoms, particularly early sitcoms, where there's just kind of the, oh, the husband goes to unexplained work or they go to work and you see them plugging away at that weird little accounting thing that I don't know the name of. And there's rarely any deep connections. There's like the one neighbor that you talk to, maybe the one across the street that's a bother. And other than that, it's all just guest stars. Whenever they try to point out the shallowness of the world, whether it's Vision asking those questions, whether it's when the boss and his wife come over and they're asking like, how did you meet? When did you get married? What's your song? All of those. And it's making them kind of confront the reality of the situation, which is, we don't know any of this because we're just kind of here. It's reminded me of another thing, like another a book or a TV show or something, but I don't remember what right now. It's definitely a trope that's going on within the series because it happens multiple times. I'm not sure if the choking was Wanda's doing. Like he was asking, Mr. Hart was asking too many detailed questions and she just wanted him to stop. So she put whatever it was in his throat or whether somebody else did that but then his wife gets stuck in a loop which apparently is a reference to the vision comics i did not read the current vision i don't know if it's still current or not um it's a few years old now uh it's by look it up uh the writer was tom king actually some of the characters have carried over to other comics like viv vision who is vision's daughter in the comic There's a lot of similarities between that and this, namely Vision trying to live that perfect 1950s life. Yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, you notice when the wife gets stuck on a loop, Dottie kind of has one of those Dottie.exe has stopped working moments when the voice comes on the radio. You see it a couple of times. It's interesting. I think from Dottie's standpoint, it harkens to the the fact that these are people that don't want to be here. They're being manipulated to act like this. They're, they weren't just made out of thin air. They, these are actual people who are being forced to live this life. You now, whether Wanda's doing it or whether somebody else is doing it, 
uh, to force Wanda into something like imprison Wanda. I don't know, but I, I, I feel for Dottie. And Dottie's husband, by the way, is the one who was fired from the company that Hart's company that Vision is working at. So there might be some animosity there between Dottie and, and Wanda just because of that, because, you know, Vision got a promotion, her husband got fired sort of thing all within the same. If it was a normal TV show, I would agree. But since this is that 50s episodic sitcom where really no plot points are carried forth, I kind of doubt it. We do know for a fact that one character who's living in this neighborhood is an actual person from the real world. You talking about Monica? Yep, I'm talking about Monica. Okay. Uh, Monica appears after the helicopter comes in. So I'm speculating that Monica was part of the rescue team that was coming in from the helicopter and the helicopter crashed. And then she all of a sudden appears and ends up at the pool scene. Monica, by the way, we've seen before. We've been acquainted with her, but she was younger in Captain Marvel. And uh, she apparently in the comics has her own powers as she goes forward. And I don't know if we're going to see her powers because of this situation or maybe she gets powers otherwise but she was actually called in the comics anyway captain marvel before captain marvel was okay the monica rambo comic that i always recommend is warren ellis's next wave agents of hate and there's actually a minor reference to another character in there in the background of some like it's not like in the actual show, but when they have like, you know, the director's talking about it in an interview. But Monica is the leader of this team of frack ups, I guess. There's Machine Man, there's Eliza Bloodstone, Boom Boom from X Men. There's a character called the Captain who is hilarious. And Monica in those comics is forever going about like, oh, when I was an Avenger, when I was Captain Marvel. And it's just, it's really, really funny. Monica as a character is a fantastic character in the comics. But this comic is the one I always recommend because it's funny. The one interaction that I want to just throw out there is the interaction with the mailman. Like, I'm just the messenger as he's walking by sort of thing. And Agnes like goes pew 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 i'm like either that was just silliness which i doubt or there's a deeper meaning there that i just didn't get but it was kind of a funny interaction which is why i'm bringing it up this has my attention i don't know if it has your attention or not but this has my attention we got uh, four episodes left so for the next four weeks we'll be covering it for the next four episodes we'll be covering it uh michelle obviously it has michelle's mom's attention yes and it's seven there's nine episodes total. Ooh, cool. So we get seven weeks. Nice. thought there was just six. My bad. Cool. So we get to talk about it for two months. I'm really curious if the episode lengths are going to expand or if they're going to continue to stay in the half hour sitcom timing. That'll make, if they do that, that'll make the ultimate wrap up. They'll have to write it very concisely. Because it'll be hard to do it in just like 22 minutes or so. Like I just finished watching the Clone Wars, which I actually finished by watching the very first movie. But at the very end, season seven, I watched the the ending of the Clone Wars and season six, by the way, ended the same way, where it was a multiple episode arc in order to finish it off because they couldn't do everything in that 22 minutes. So 
that's what I'm thinking here is it'll be very difficult for them in the one episode to actually end it. So it'll probably be a combination like the last two or three episodes on all one big arc. But of course, this whole series is one arc. So I don't know. Anyway, anything else that you want to bring before we move on, Michelle? No, I'm good. Okay. Lauren? Emma Caulfield as Dottie in the second episode made me smile. I really love Emma Caulfield. When they said Dottie, I don't think we saw Dottie at first, but when they said Dottie, my mind went to, you know, the Dottie that we know from Agent Carter, which was not the same Dottie. All right. So we have seven more episodes, which I assume, and that's assuming right now, will be titled episode three, episode four, episode five, episode six, episode seven, episode eight, and episode nine. Although, like I just said, it could be like episode seven, part one, two, three at the end. I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. That's what we're covering next week, episode three. And in the meantime, we do have some news. Our first one is about toys giving away story again. <laughs> this has happened for pretty much all of the movies at this point. But from the Twitter account Infinitoy MX. Uh, there's a bunch of pictures there. I only linked one of the tweets about the Eternals costumes. And there's pictures of the packaging and you always have the characters and their costumes on the packaging. I mean, it's not huge spoilery. It's just like, oh, this is what we can expect the aesthetics of these movies to be. So that's a thing. And then we have casting news. We do indeed. Moon Knight has gained another cast member in May, and I'm very sorry, I did not have time to look this up, May Kalamawi, who is also seen, I think, on the show Rami. I don't remember what its streaming service it's on. It's an undisclosed role, so all we know is that she's going to be in it. We'll see. All right, some, just some quick news. We'll probably have some more news between now and next time because we'll have a full week between recordings. Meantime, we do have some feedback from our audience because they were very interested in WandaVision as well. Adana Girl messaged us with, OMG, wait, WTF? And then a link to another tweet, which we kind of briefly mentioned it earlier. There is a scene transition and very faintly in... The wall, you can see that castle in Sokovia, where is, I think, where she got her powers, if I remember. Yep. That was the Sokovian at the end in Infinity War. This is, was it, no, it was uh, Ultron, where the Avengers are fighting Hydra in the backwoods. This was the, the final castle. And you see the reflection on the wall. Yeah. So I didn't see that first time around, but I watched it another time. Like, oh, yeah, that's it. And then that got me thinking that maybe that's where they were, that they were in Sokovia, but then with the area code, they might be in New Jersey. So I'm, I don't know, but that, that was a good find. I did not see that. And I might add, I have not heard, seen this talked about too much outside of this tweet. So whoever caught this, which I think it was Mr. Pericletes that had the original tweet there, I think uh, you did a good job. Yeah. Mr. Pericletes also messaged us with, again, something we were just talking about. 
Those product placements make me wonder if those are subconscious issues being manifested. First Stark, then Strucker with experiments. I bet each episode slash decade has a theme in order of issues. Next being Ultron, then Quicksilver, then Sokovia. Do you guys think, and we didn't talk about this, but if she brought Vision back, do you think she's going to bring Quicksilver back? I want to say there was a rumor that Aaron Taylor Johnson was seen, but I don't remember. I could be making that up. Petra? Is, is that when he went by? Or? Pietro. Pietro. Yeah. yeah, he's Peter in the actual X-Men movies, and he's Pietro here in the MCU. We also have an email from 084. I really loved the WandaVision premiere, and it's great that I loved it for different ways than I expected to. Of course, I was going to inhale the first Marvel Studios content in a year and a half and have rose-colored glasses, but they really delved into driving the story with style above all. The first two episodes were literally a 50s, 60s sitcom about a witch with a robot husband, with campy and silly plotlines straight out of that time period. Even the special effects were decades old, and I loved it. And of course, the MCU fan in me gobbled up all of the mystery sprinkled in. All the sword logos, Geraldine, Agnes, the helicopter, the radio, the color red, and of course, the guy wearing a suit that somehow looks too much like a beekeeper to be AIM. Oh, plus the Stark toaster and Strucker Hydra with wristwatch watch commercials. You can't take your eyes off the screen for a second. Can't wait to see how they keep the story going. Until next time, 084. I will say this, if you do take your eyes off the screen, you're going to have to back up because you are going to miss something like I did on the treadmill. I also, that reminded me of one of the things I noted it when I was live tweeting it. The menu that Wanda is making in that episode is all dishes straight out of the 1950s. It's things that were really popular at dinner parties at the time, like the lobster thermidor, etc. All right. Well, thank you very much for everybody's feedback on Twitter and in email 084. Uh, there, I know there's some talk over on the Discord server as well, which you can find at goodygeek.com slash Discord. And we would love to talk to you over there. I just asked, like, probably for the first week that you put the spoiler tags on so that you don't ruin it for somebody that hasn't really seen it. But I think after a week, we're going to call it good and go spoiler free at that point for the episodes that are week old. So when we get a new episode, you're good to go. All right. So that's it for the feedback. And. I think, since we've been talking about AIM and beekeeper suits, I think that's what we should do. We should just put on our beekeeper suits and head down on the manhole and probably pinch our nose and get on out of here. So good to have a new Marvel series out with new content. Thank you very much to Disney Plus for putting it out. Thank you very much for the team over at WandaVision for putting this all together. I can't wait to talk about the rest of it. Thank you to everyone who joined in for the live tweet. I am back doing live tweets, everyone. So check us out on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. I am linking whenever I tweet the hashtags that I'm using. So if you want to be spoiler free, you can mute those. Yeah, it, it makes me happy to be watching this with people again. So thank you again and hope to see you in some future threads. Yes, thank you to everybody who interacts with us and whether it's Twitter or the Discord or email. And yes, it's great to have new content and to be able to bring back my 
mom's take on things. And with that, until next time, I'm producer of the show, SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Bye, see everybody next time. New time, Sundays, 5 p.m. Eastern. Bye. Bye-bye. I just don't think helicopters are meant to fly. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hello. Hey, how are you? Uh, nervous. So we made an offer on another townhouse that's in the same complex as that first one that we really, really like. The design's almost the same. It's a couple hundred square feet smaller, but it's still really great. And right now, okay, we've been getting calls back and forth from our realtor. It's between us and one other person. Their seller likes my real estate agents more because they have like everything in order already. Scott and I have already gotten like we've done math. Scott's done math. We've gotten everything in order. So now we're just trying to it's all about like, okay, are we going to waive the what's it called? Not survey appraisal. So it's like, okay, are we going to waive appraisal? Are we going to like, what are we going to do? And because we made our offer at about what other places in the area are going for, we're pretty sure that it's like right on the dot. And we're also trying to negotiate the closing date. Uh, we were hoping for March. It's probably going to be February. That's fine. Very nervous. Very excited. Yeah. Very, very nervous. Yeah. Well, I hope you get it. It's an uh, exciting time. Yeah, it's all coming together and I'm really nervous and I'm really excited and I'm trying to balance that with finishing this audiobook that I'm working on. <laughs> I'm not nearly as far in it as I should be considering it's due on the 6th, but yeah, I just spent like half a chapter crying. So, ooh, just because yeah. of the story or because well, of the because acting? the character. Okay. Like there's okay, so the book is about basically uh, human trafficking, sexual assault, and generational trauma. Yeah. And it's really, really good, but it's very tough. So I've been spending like, it's like, okay, do a chapter, decompress. Do a chapter, decompress. Yeah. Hey, Michelle. Hi. We might get news on whether or not Scott and I are closing on a house. Ooh. It's between us and someone else, and they really like our everything more. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <sighs> Otherwise, I'm just going to be really excited and spinning my wheels right now. Don't get any gum in your wheels. <laughs> oh, my God. I loved this so much. There's a lot to this. I linked a thing from BuzzFeed where it's a lot of the Easter eggs. 
Yeah, I know. There's so many. So many. Some are, I, I'm convinced a lot of them are just put in there by the writers because they know Marvel history and they're like, Haha. Oh, yeah. Some of them, like the Grim Reaper thing, I'm positive that's just, you know, an Easter egg. And the milk from Sokovia. And- yeah, the, the bova milk. That That is absolute. Like a bunch of them are just like, oh, here's some fun stuff. Isn't this cute? But then it's like, okay, is Agnes really Agatha Harkness? Like, <laughs> yeah. There's just so I think we're just going to almost be rambling and, and throwing some stuff at the wall here because there is literally I, I've gone through it and there is the surface level. Like if you didn't know anything about Marvel, the whole the, just watching it for the first time for like the mystery in the story. And then there's like the Easter eggs that we were talking about in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then there's the where is this going what does this mean for the mcu and and all that so there's at least three different levels to discuss here and they get exponentially more complicated yeah oh god i'm really save it for the show (laughs) i did write down the credits the reason why i did it is in case these people's names come up in later episodes because the the names of the TV thing aren't mm-hmm. the people who did it. I noticed that. So that is why I did take time to do that. Okay. Because in case these we hear these names in later episodes, we can be like, oh, okay. That's why I I I did that. I was noticing that that there was several names on there that were that I noticed were meant something. One thing that I wanted to bring up in the show that I didn't want to bring up in the show is I have heard a ton from the podcasting community that, did you see the Roadcaster Pro on the desk of the control room? I was like, yeah, yeah, I saw it there. I mean, it's just a props, props department, just take what they think looks cool and they all slap it together and it it had no meaning. The fact that there was a Roadcaster Pro, they're all saying, they're doing a podcast no they're not doing no a they're not it was just a cool thing with lights that they could throw on the desk from a cheap props department that's all it was i'm trying to remember there's a movie oh kate i don't know if you remember when this came out scott backed it on kickstarter and then oh. like it came out but nothing ever really came of it it was this thing called the peregrine glove where it's like you're supposed to be able to like use keys by pressing different spots on your fingers and things like that Yeah. Yeah, it it didn't make much of a splash, but there's a movie where they're using those as control gloves for something in the movie. Oh, I, oh, by the way, I I didn't want to bring it up on the, on the show this time around, but I like the idea of Saturday morning WandaVision cartoons. I do. Right. I like it. Yep. It's just, I don't know. It's fun to have something to watch on Saturday mornings. It's nostalgic. It is. I um I've got my Saturday morning routine, which includes bills, unfortunately, but yeah. All right. I will see everybody next week. Uh, same time, same channel. All right. Yep. I will talk to y'all later. Have a good week. Bye. 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 Legends of Shield is copyright twenty thirteen through twenty twenty one.